15,000 units. You made me vouch for chocolate daddy, 15,000 units. I got six kids. You know how much money that is to put them through school? You know how many Air Jordan six black kids wear? Welcome to Black Irish Podcast. Welcome to an all-new episode of Black Irish Podcast with myself, Brendan McCorkle. Mike is out on medical leave uh, indefinitely, so not sure what's going to shake out on that. Everybody wish him the best. I do. That's my brother in crime. Uh, so wish Mike the best. Uh, that being said, your boy's going to keep on rolling. I'm going to be doing some solo episodes. I'll have some guests on here or there in the meantime. Uh, so I'll actually work on that because usually it's very ad hoc and had a couple of people jump in the seat uh, last second, but I reached out again today. It's like, hey, man, you can't just be like, can you jump on right now? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm just fucking, you know, it wasn't a big deal. So I'll uh, I'll plan a couple of spots out. I'll do a couple solos on purpose, um, and we'll just roll with it. Because come hell or high water, I'm going to be here, you know, just because bad things are going on in the world. You know, supposedly tragedy plus time equals comedy. Well, I like to microwave my unhappiness, so let's get this over with. You know what I mean? Let's just start talking about it right away. It's, sometimes it's helpful. That's why I love comedy so much, man. It's my first true love. You know what I mean? Uh, that being said, I just got done doing the uh, hometown Palmdale comedy show, which I love Palmdale. People dog on Palmdale, but... You know, it makes it tough in a different way. And I appreciate it. You know, you had to be, you had to be street smart. It was fight or flight. And I just chose to turn into a butterfly and be that kind of flight. You know what I mean? Like, I, <laughs> it doesn't need to be dramatic. I just like hung out with everybody. They're like, yeah, I don't know. That guy's all right enough to where we don't need to kill him. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's all I need. <laughs> just let me just finagle my way on through life nobody hurt me i'll be good so uh i lashed out comedy whatever i don't even know what i was saying there comedy was fun in palmdale and it was nice my family came out my sisters came up um it was cold man it was cold there were by the time i was doing comedy it was like 45 degrees or so so it was tough to get people outside that being said it was still a really good turnout and it was a lot of fun. Um, the highlight of the evening for me was after I did a joke about tentacle porn that ends with me acting out like an octopus's arm going in my butthole. <laughs> I was like, hey, everybody say hi to my mom. <laughs> I made that like stop the show, made everybody say hi to my mom. It was pretty fun. Um, but she's a trooper. She rolls through that kind of stuff. She thinks it's funny. That's why it's easy. That's why she comes to my comedy shows. Otherwise, she'd probably avoid them. But it was cool. My sisters came up and all that stuff. And I got to think, you know, it's like, you know, you just get to talking with family and everything's kind of like, remember when, once you get a certain age. And I just remember hearing certain things like, oh my gosh, you guys still say that kind of stuff? 
<laughs> like the nomenclature never changed. It was just so funny. And then so I got to not saying any of this was said, but it was like I got to thinking about what uh, like things I used to say as a kid. And I'm going to bring some of them back. I think like turd burglar. Like somebody's just it's like, come on, man, what are you doing? Like, it's just a turd burglar. Ugh, whatever. Butt pirate. That was always fun. I mean, I guess that's kind of like, you know, gay offensive or offensive adjacent to a butt pirate. But it's more about like, you know, you're just being a butthole. You butt pirate. <laughs> I don't know. It's just fun to say. Uh, it's kind of rape, rapey, though. Because if you're stealing booty, that's not good. Maybe butt pirates got to go for multiple reasons. All right, I'm fine with ditching that. Sometimes you got to kill your babies in comedy. That's like, you know, killing off a joke that you really like. Like, maybe that's just an at-home joke, buddy. And I'm realizing that in comedy. <laughs> As I, While I do like turning groans into laughter, if I keep pushing the same joke and only get groans, I need to stop. So I'm getting to the point where I'm starting to eradicate some... <laughs> some awful material, but, um, you know, that's my kind of comedy is I like to throw you up against the wall and then try and pull you back in by the end, you know, but we're friends the whole time. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's fun. Chode is another word that I don't think has ever left my vernacular. It's just like, everybody knows what a chode is. Yeah. You see them at the mall. You see them at restaurants a lot. What a chode. You know exactly who I'm talking about. They dress in a particular type of way. They can't pronounce the things that on their shirts. Those guys are chodes. People, I should say. I shouldn't leave anybody out of this. People like that are chodes. Dick Weasel? That's pretty... That's pretty guy forward right there. Dick Weasel is just the guy. It's like the guy that you're like, you kind of wish wasn't in the group at the moment. Not that you don't like him. It's just like, ugh, ugh this Dick Weasel. We got to watch what we say around this guy. That guy's Dick Weasel. And then my favorite one that I still use is Dingleberry. Somebody's a Dingleberry. Like you're just hanging poop off a butthole. Like that's just, mwah. That's just such a good slam. I still use it. That's why Mike's fancy football name is Dax Dingleberries, because I still think it's such a fantastic word. Dingleberry. What a dingleberry. Like, you're not even good enough to be a piece of shit, you dingleberry. You're worse. You're a piece of shit's shit that just gets to hang around a dirty butthole all day. Because it's not clean if it has dingleberries. What? Ugh. Dingleberry's like the worst thing you could be. I like it. And kids could get away with saying it. That's why it just it stands the test of time. Like Barbra Streisand movies. Speaking of people with exaggerated features, um, I actually just earlier today went to, uh, not the day you're listening to this, the day I'm recording this, uh, I went to Kevin Nealon's um, art exhibit at, uh, it was at Choice Contemporary. It's called Kevin Nealon, I Exaggerate. And it's basically caricatures of his celebrity friends or people he 
likes, whatever. He wrote an entire book that has, like, the backgrounds on it because he's done hundreds of them. I guess he started doing them during the pandemic and kind of fell in love with the process. Um, excuse me. <coughs> but uh, that being said, there was just a select number that were, you know, canvassed and hung on the wall and stuff. And it was just super cool. Super cool. That's one of my favorite things to do now is just go to my style art type of deals. You know, like the Tupac exhibit was nice. Beastie Boys exhibit. Like, that's the thing is art could be anything. It doesn't have to be old. And it doesn't have to be a certain genre. It could just be whatever. And this stuff was super rad and intricate. And uh, I'm going to post about it because I took some pictures. Like, I walked... What I did was I just, luckily I had the place to myself, basically. It was the person that was there just to monitor the place and myself. I just walked in in the middle of the day and, like, just said hello, you know, did my thing. And then walked around, kind of took it all in, took as much time as I wanted with each one just because I was the only one there, which was super nice, super, super nice, like, I I realized in the moment how special that is to be in an art gallery alone. To have no pressure whatsoever to move on to the next one. Um, so I'm glad I recognized that in the moment. I'm trying to do that, be more present. With everything I do, it's really hard because I'm an asshole. Um... <laughs> I contribute to my own demise, and I know it. It's hard to stop. Um, so that being said, so I went around once, and then I talked to the guy. I said, I asked permission. I said, is it all right if I snap a few photos? And he was like, yes, thank you for asking. Um, and so I took some pictures. So I went around and took some pictures of, like, Ones that really hit home for me that were, I'm like, some of these people are like my influences. So I was like, I, those are the ones I snap pictures of, not just everything, even though it was all amazing. All of it's amazing. Um, and at that point, I, once I was done taking the picture, like I walked around, made, like looked at all of them, took a picture of the ones I wanted. And then I did a third lap. I was like, okay, let me just go take them in one more time. Before I, you know, leave this place. And so when I did, uh, there were uh, like four that kind of, I don't know what the proper, you know, thing to say here is. But they like kind of spoke to me or hit me in a certain way to where I was like, oh, you know what? Let me take a picture of this one because it hit me a second way. And it was kind of interesting the way I took the pictures was the first time I went around, I took the pictures. It was like my childhood influences the ones that really grabbed me right off the bat and then the second or third lap I guess but the second one that I was taking pictures with I was like oh I see myself as an adult in these people so I just I guess since I'm here by myself I'll run through the ones I took pictures of um and kind of, I just took them in order of how they were on the wall. I didn't start in any particular order of my life or anything. I'm deep. I'm not that deep on the fly, usually. Um, 
So the first one was Chris Farley. I love Chris Farley. I love that he was always the life of the party and everybody always wanted to be around him. Like that was the thing about him that I gravitated towards was just like on screen, off screen doesn't matter. Like you wanted him around cause he was a good time. Um, I like being the facilitator of fun, man. That's my thing. Uh, the next one was Robin Williams, just the ultimate wild man. You never knew what to expect out of him. Expect the unexpected. And he was loud, too. <laughs> I try and keep myself subdued as much as I can because I know that just on a general basis. Usually it sucks because when <laughs> I'm a big person, big guy, and I talk at the volume that I hope that you're, you'll respond in because that's the volume I need. So I've like, unfortunately my ears are garbage and I've been going to more concerts lately than I have in a long time and being like up close on the floor. And so I'm like, my ears are getting worse and worse and worse. And so I talk at a high volume sometimes because I, that's the volume and I get excited really easily uh, again, like Chris Farley, I'm like, Jojo's a circus monkey. Like something gets started. I'm like, Oh boy. And I like, even when I talk about something simple, I get very, I, my volume goes up. My speech speed goes up, which is something that's kind of interesting that I do stand up comedy now. Cause it, that's something you have is one of the main things is timing and control of that. Um, but yeah, the wild man, uh, Kurt Cobain, man. The guy who couldn't care less about what other people thought. That was something I cared about what everybody thought for so long. And I was just so kind of depressed as a kid because of it. I'm like, oh my God, I can't please anybody. And then so I was like, you know what? I, if I want to be me and be weird, like, fine, pick on me. I don't care. Fuck you guys. You guys kind of pick on me anyway. It doesn't matter at what level of life I'm at. And who it is in my life. It just seems like, you know what? Everybody's got a little thing against me for no reason. For me just being me. So you know what? Double middle fingers like the man in black. Like, piss off, y'all. So, Kurt Cobain had that. And uh, <laughs> that was something that I kind of like, right about middle school. You know, I had long hair and uh wanted to dye it colors and stuff, and people thought I was a girl. I'm like, you know what? Just because I like long hair, I want long hair, y'all can kiss it. And that's a, that's when I was like, I don't care if nobody likes me. I don't care anymore. Um, Dave Chappelle, the man who's willing to talk about anything. I strive to be able to talk about anything to anyone and, you know, be able to politely disagree and agree to disagree or pull up some ground, and to be able to do it in a thought-provoking way, that's my jam, dude. That's my jam. Some of it's not always funny, but it's interesting. And then if you can spin it and make it funny, like, that's always been, uh, that's always been huge to me. Dave Chappelle, obviously. Um, Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman, the man who was willing to ride the bit out till the end just for him. The man that was willing to turn the entire room against him just to have a joke with one other person and would not break. The ability to not break under extreme social pressure 
is something that if you want to not care about what people think, you have to have. And he had it on a level that is unmatched in the comedy world. And like I said, I've loved comedy my whole life. So, Andy Kaufman. Kevin Nealon did a portrait of himself. What an adorable... Like, that's one of the things I love about Kevin Nealon. Is he is the quickest whip in the room. He can match you on any level. And he can be so kind about it. Like kindly talk crap to your face that's kind of what his his paintings are these exaggerations it's like we'll take the 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 weird things about you and your face and i'm going to exaggerate them but it's beautiful art it's perfectly kevin nealon i love that about him and then i mean probably my biggest influence growing up was uh, Jim Carrey. Not my love for his stand-up necessarily, but just the sad clown, the human cartoon, the do anything for a laugh. Do anything to be funny. Anything to be funny. And he taught me how to be animated. You know, like I said, the human cartoon. I mean, Fire Marshal Bill was, Fire Marshal Bill and Ace Ventura, that was it. That was, okay, that's the basis of my funny. Be silly, be goofy, always be willing to take the hit, you know, knock them on the floor even if you have to do it yourself. Jim Carrey, I mean, time and place, you know? It was about the same time Speed came out, too, which is irrelevant, but that movie was just cool as shit to, like, a 10-year-old. <laughs> and then, so that was the first round that I made. And then the second round that I made was more of, like, oh, I see myself like that a little bit. I see, I see you know, something there. A connection of some sort and so the next round I took a picture of Howard Stern just the rebel without a cause the James Dean of radio you know what I mean um, it's like no man like if it's funny I'm gonna do it and sometimes you have to be willing to burn a couple of bridges to you know build your empire I get it you don't want to, but you've got to have room to be yourself. Sometimes you got to make your own room. It sucks. Freddie Mercury. And this one I didn't think. And then it really, really got to me. I was looking at his teeth because they were just like uh, the gangly hillbilly teeth. It was so funny. Um, and I was just like kind of getting over that. And I was just like, oh, yeah, the gangly teeth. This dude 
had a set of choppers on him that he could eat corn on the cob through a picket fence. And he was pretty openly gay. And even the most southern rockers are like, doesn't matter. He is awesome. This band rocks. Just having undeniable talent that transcends any type of hate. That's what I strive for in my comedy. I want to be able to talk to anybody of any kind and have them be in the group going like, no, 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 this guy's all right. Don't, don't, don't get offended. This guy's okay. That's my goal with comedy. I don't need everybody to like me. I don't want everybody to like me. That means I'm playing, playing their tune. No, no, no. Come meet me in the middle. But it's going to be rough. You're going to need somebody to guide you. Be like, eh, hang on, push, push, you know, push through. It's going to be okay. There's light at the end of this tunnel. That's what I need. Scouters, spotters. <laughs> it's the kind of comedy I like to do. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor. Just the hopeless romantic. You know, I used to watch Elizabeth Taylor. I mean, she's Cleopatra for crying out loud. Um, Elizabeth Taylor movies and stuff like that with my mom. And... There's a reason why she was married a bunch, you know? Just a hopeless romantic. Always trying to get it right. Kind of a psychopath. <laughs> I feel it. Uh, and then the last one was Anthony DeBourdain. Just the... I'm going to do what I want to do, and... It's going to be fun, and it's going to be okay, and it's not not the suicidal part. That sucks, although I've had those thoughts, to be honest. Not recently, but in the past, I've had to fight those off. It's, it's never worth it. I'm a pros and cons guy, and the cons, you know, as bad as I was, which I was awful. The only time I ever thought about wiping myself off the earth was because I thought it was going to be good for everybody else. But I could never... It never balanced out. So if it didn't balance out for me and the shittiest that I was, trust me, it's never going to be worth it to anybody to do it. Except I got a joke about that, but that's a joke for another day. Again, suicide jokes. I'll try anything. And I think it's a good one. Got some laughs. Um, time and place. But the other parts of Anthony Bourdain, you know, just a very cavalier attitude towards life. You know, I get it. <laughs> I get it, man. Like, I understand that kind of like, what are what are we even doing? For reals? We're going to hate everything we do? For what? Manufactured happiness? Mm. Why don't we start from scratch again? And that's kind of what he did. And then it became the coolest thing in the world. It's just like, nah, man, I'm going back to basics and do whatever I want and literally go back to like eating in the woods. Like, I don't care. Go back to basics. And it was the hottest thing in the world. The jacked up part is that nobody knows if he was actually happy while he was doing it or not. <laughs> oh, well, that's enough suicidal talk. But anyway, the art gallery, the Kevin Nealon as a wrap up and a, a uh, you know, advertisement for Kevin Nealon, I exaggerate. Uh, it was rad. It was so cool. And I just loved that somebody that creative and that 
amazing at a certain type of craft like comedy and and all the different ways that he approaches it was able to just in life be like you know what i'm still gonna try something else and it's completely different than anything i've ever done and he did it and was successful he's a successful guy in many avenues of life but it's just nice to see people uh indulging their curiosities something i've always liked to do Although, speaking of that, I'm kind of, uh, I think I'm on the board about just stop inventing things altogether. Let's just stop science completely. I don't know if anybody else is on board with me. Probably just a few Looney Tunes that escaped wearing a bunch of white. White on white on white, you dig? It's the coolest. Um, listen. I get what would happen, okay? There's no more cures. There's no more... Like, we have what we have, okay? So it's like cancer is always going to be a problem. You know what I mean? But not all cancer. And if you catch it, maybe we get, you know, fine-tune what we've got. Ooh, see, that's something I didn't even think about. But if we just stop inventing things, stop science and strikes, no more cures... But there's also no more, like, robots. There's no more artificial wombs conversations. There's no more cloning people. There's no building people from scratch. There's no... None of this people building armies and warehouses and things like this. You know what I mean? Like, ah, we just stop everything. We accept that what we've got is what we've got. Now we can make what we've got better. And I think that's something that happens with the science and technology sometimes. Maybe sometimes we jump the gun and we get a new technology and we're like, rad, let's see how to make it faster. But that's it. We're not, that's not necessarily better. So maybe all these medicines that we have, maybe it's like these cancer treatments, these chemos and things. Maybe we have the right stuff and just not the right combination. Maybe people haven't, you know, I know people are starting to not starting have been working on that kind of stuff for a long time but if there was no science to further the research and it was like this is what we've got i bet you they could make it better if there was a ceiling to science i just don't trust these robots and clone people they're doing it for sure somewhere somebody is And then what kind of debate are we going to have at the Olympics? You know what I mean? Like, where does it end? Oh, speaking of which, we'll switch to sports. Tom Brady retires again for the last time, I think, is the quote. <laughs> I don't know if it's a quote. I hope it's a quote because that's ridiculous and fun. Um, Tom Brady retires. He's... You know, everybody's like, why, 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 why come back for one year and you didn't win the thing? And the Maybe he realized that next year is going to be even worse. Maybe he realized he's finally limited on his body. And he's frustrated. And he also realizes, like, it doesn't matter what country I go to to get my blood spun and, you know, have baby electrolytes shot into his hip. I don't know what he does, but he for sure does whatever he can and is supposed to like the cutting edge of technology for sure. 
maybe he's finally like, yeah, I'm approaching 50 and this just doesn't work the same as it did anymore. Maybe that's it. And he's just like, it doesn't matter what team you put me on. I would not be able to hold up. And he's just like, that was good enough. You know, maybe that was good enough because he knows the ceiling is going to be lower. And also maybe he's just a cunning cunt satchel and he had a wife while he was in the NFL and then he decided he went home for a couple of months didn't like the lack of freedom and was like you know what I'm gonna go back because I know what her deal breaker is so he can kind of throw his hands up and be like, what? you know, he can George Costanza this situation, like, get fired on purpose. He's like, well, sorry, I, I have a calling. Football's not a calling. Church is a calling. I don't agree that everybody should pick it up, but, you know, that's my experience. But Tom Brady, I think he just, when all said and done, he realized all that post-NFL puss that's out there. And he's just like, man, being a Fox analyst, I get to go to a different city every week. Mm. Get paid more than I ever have. Yeah. I'm not going to want anything tying me down. Because now he can go out and be a buffoon. He was a buffoon throwing the Lombardi trophy almost in a lake when he's supposed to be... Like, he's still tied to an organization. Can you imagine what he's going to do behind the production walls of a giant company like Fox that covers everything up? Oh, my God. Tom Brady's going to have all kinds of STDs and addictions within the next three years. Good for you, Tom. You deserve it. I'm on your side, man. You earn it. I mean, the divorce thing was kind of crap, but, you know, if you're going to do it, you know, go for it, buddy. <laughs> Hall of Fame. Uh, you better get some Hall of Fame party numbers in then, you weirdo. Uh, speaking of not weirdos, I'm very happy for D'Amico Ryans. He's the defensive coordinator, formerly of the San Francisco 49ers, top-rated defense in the NFL. He's just, he's amazing. He's amazing. He got the head coaching job for the Houston Texans. I hope they do right by him. They give him a few years to build a real team and they get a quarterback for him. Like, I know Mike likes Davis Mills, but let's be realistic. He needs a franchise guy. Get him Aaron Rodgers. Trade the farm for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, people are making wacky trades all over the place. Trade for Aaron Rodgers. He's better than your first round pick, probably. Or he's got such a high salary that the Packers might take some of it on if you just give him like next year's first round and like this year's second and third. They'll give you Aaron Rodgers. Give D'Amico Ryan's a chance. I really, really like him, and I think he's gonna be a really good coach. Especially for some a place like Houston that has been kind of you know, defensive base in their limited success. 
um, besides Deshaun Watson. But even at the time, they had a, a formidable defense, you know, a top 15, better half of the league. So I'm interested to see what he can do over there. Like, I, I you know, I like him. But in kind of the trade talk, coach talk, whatever, Sean Payton got traded after a year of being an analyst from the New Orleans Saints to the Denver Broncos. And the Broncos gave up a first-round pick in this year's draft and a second-round pick in next year's draft. Now, while trading for coaches is not my favorite thing, I do understand that they have Russell Wilson, that they signed to a major deal, so basically the first-round pick of a quarterback is kind of out of there. Now, they could use it for an offensive lineman, but, you know, eh, I don't know. Um, but if they put that much into a quarterback, then I can see that they're like, yeah, so we don't get our, you know, quarterback this year and linebacker next year. That's fine. We'll take Sean Payton instead. I get that. But that got to me to thinking about some of the best football trades in history. And surprisingly, I think the greatest NFL trade of all time is not what you think it might be if you're a football fan. So I want to say that optimistically, I hope that the 49ers trade for Christian McCaffrey this year where they gave up second, third, fourth, and fifth round picks. So four picks, not their first round because I don't think they have it still, um, for next year's draft. So next year, this year, I don't know how many picks they have. It's maybe 10 combined. In the next two drafts, I think. They are just... If that. If that. They may they may have... Over-under might be like seven. Um, but... McCaffrey is a special thing. And in the type of offense that they like to run... If they can get a quarterback that doesn't put him in linebacker purgatory... Where he's going to get cracked every time. If they can actually put the ball where it needs to be. Where he makes his want... Plants his foot and then turns up field. Dude... Highway to the danger zone, 49ers. Um, some people think the greatest football trade of all time is the Cowboys get Herschel Walker for just a gang of picks. They're just like a bunch of future considerations, just like here. you can have them all. <laughs> I, I didn't take the time to go see how many, but I know I remember it was a grip. I was not like I was there at the time, but I remember going over this. And, yeah, that was, like, the Vikings. I mean, it's like, talk about your all-time bonehead plays. Like, you just gave the best player in the league away. Doesn't matter what the cost was. It's not worth it. The best player in the league you just gave away. Um, I want to say there was another 49ers trade that I personally enjoy. And that was Steve Young going from the Bucks to the 49ers after two mediocre, less than mediocre years in Tampa Bay. Um, the Bucks drafted Vinny Testaverde and shipped Steve Young for a second and fourth round pick. And then Steve Young sat on the bench for a year or two, took over for Montana. Montana goes to the Chiefs. Say la vie, mon ami. Um, two of my favorite quarterbacks of all time. Uh, in another fairly, you know, not too recent, but this 
Millennium. Uh-huh. Uh, Marshall Falk went from the Colts to the Rams. And it's not so much. I mean, Marshall Falk was the key to the Rams winning the Super Bowl um, with the greatest show on turf. Like, he was an integral part of that because they had to have a running game to be able to throw the ball downfield to those monsters running streams up the sidelines. But the thing that made it such a great trade was what the Rams gave up for it. They gave up a second and a fifth round pick. For a top three running back. I think at two years in a row, Marshall Falk was the number one running back in the league. For a second and fifth. Now, the Colts used their number one pick to get Edger and James, so they knew who they were getting. They knew they were picking a running back so they could ship him. But they didn't use a pick that the Rams gave them. So technically, you know, the Rams just came up. Um, interesting, interestingly enough, another quarterback on the board... Brett Favre, not to the Jets, but to the Packers from Atlanta. And all the Packers gave up after one season of Brett Favre in Atlanta was their first round pick. So basically, instead of taking an unknown off the board, they took a lackluster season out of somebody that they saw something in on the NFL level. That's pretty cool. But I would say... That the greatest NFL trade of all time, the greatest one, is Bill Belichick. It's a coach. Bill Belichick in the year 2000 got traded from the Jets to the Patriots for their first, the Patriots' first round pick that year and their fourth and seventh round picks the following year in 2001. So the Patriots, I believe they had Drew Bledsoe at that time. They have their quarterback. They need a coach. Bill Belichick to the Pats. I mean, that's the steal of the century. He's been coaching a lot longer than Herschel Walker was running in Dallas. It's the greatest trade in NFL history was for Bill Belichick. So, moving on to the NFL playoffs. My Niners got smashed up by the Eagles, man. That was wild. And after Josh Johnson went out, instead of putting Brock Purdy back in there, I don't know why they didn't just run the Wildcat. Christian McCaffrey can throw little dump passes. Who was that dude that was in... uh, I think he was an LSU running back. He was at Miami. He did the Wildcat with Ricky Williams, I think. Oh, no. I can't remember his name. I don't even know if all that trails or tracks. But, oh, no. I was thinking of Darren McFadden, Oakland Raiders. Um, I love Darren McFadden. He was at Arkansas. See how wild that was, but I was able to connect it. That's how my brain works. I got to, like, when I write jokes, sometimes I write something and then it's, like, completely different, but it's, like, in my head, it made sense the transition. Darren McFadden, because he used to run the Wildcat at Arkansas, and he, he was known for throwing, like, 20 yard passes in the red zone to the, you know, he could throw from deep a little bit. And. So I was hoping that maybe they did that with Christian McCaffrey, with CMC. Uh, they did not, you know, I was thinking like on those third and sixes or whatever, those little dumps over the middle to George Kittle, if they blitz the linebackers, can move the chains. Like they could have done something there 
just McCaffrey and Debo in the backfield. Like, what are they going to do? You can run all types of counters, and you got Trent Williams and George Kittle. Just have extra tight ends and linemen and just have one receiver, like Brandon Ayuk on the outside. And then if you motion out Debo, maybe it's a throw all of a sudden. Like, I don't know. I think they could have done more with what they had and not put Brock Purdy in a situation where he can't throw the ball. He probably would have been easier to throw it underhand with a spiral just because, like, you know, in hindsight, he tore his, <laughs> tore his UCL. But if he can't throw a forward pass, then get him out of there. He's an extra body that we can have. I don't know. I didn't get that. QB situation in San Francisco is just a nightmare going into next year. Ugh. I hope Trey Lance is the third string going into next year. I do. I'm sorry. Trade him. Do something. Like, I think you should put your mustard behind Brock Purdy. Tell Jimmy G, stop getting hurt. Sign another one-year deal if you want. Although, he'll probably go to somewhere like Houston. That'd be fine. Him and D'Amico hook up. I'd be cool with that. But Trey Lance shouldn't be our starter. And unfortunately, I think Jimmy G is going to go. Brock Purdy and Trey Lance are going to have to fight it out in training camp. It's just ridiculous. Like, maybe Trey Lance can just be a backup, accept that he's a backup, ride out his rookie deal, and, you know, go somewhere else. I don't know. I just don't want Trey Lance at all. So any way he can get out of the picture is fine by me. Uh, the Chiefs prove once again versus the Bengals that uh, two players can be better than 11. Basically is what happened. The Travis Kelsey to Patrick Mahomes connection is real. And <laughs> uh, yeah, it's just, it seems unfair at times that they just, you know where they're going to, like Travis Kelsey caught a touchdown on a broken play, whatever, which they're all broken plays pretty much on purpose. It seems like um, where he was covered by a cornerback pretty solid. And he got to the end zone, just turned around, and the cornerback was like right there and turns his head as Kelsey's catching it. But he's just like, What am I supposed to do? And it's kind of like, Yeah, exactly. What are you supposed to do? You can't defend them. It's wild. Uh, so, congratulations to the Chiefs. I mean, tip of the cap, man. Got some more on that later. Uh, so, that all being said, wrapping up that sports section. Uh, I started watching a lot more stuff lately. I'm trying to take a little more time. You know, some of it's just because I have to. Some of it is because I need to uh, take more time just trying to chill out and stuff. So that being said, I started I started watching TV again, people, or movies and whatnot. Like, I started tuning in to the entertainment section of the world, and I watched a few things. So, we'll start with the movie on Netflix, You People. I saw You People, and it's with Jonah Hill, um, Eddie Murphy's in it. Honestly, the reason why I watched it was because Eddie Murphy's in it. Um, he is he has a the main supporting role for a male, whatever. And not like this getting nominated for anything. Uh, sorry for the sniffles. It was okay. It was alright. It's about a white guy dating a black chick and haha, ha, it's weird and blah blah blah. But it's like it was so over the top. 
It was just all of it was over the top. So I'm like, okay. I get what you're trying to say here, but okay, okay. Couple shining moments from Eddie Murphy because he's a gem. But, you know, there were some solid jokes in there. Like, it opens really strong. There's some solid jokes in there. They did the knocked up thing where it's like, you know, I know you're gay, but it's it wasn't that. It was a different thing. But they went back and forth in the church. Um, you know, they had all the same beats, but it just, I think that was it. It had the same beats. Okay. No evolution in this game. That was the thing I kind of took away from it. Was It was an okay watch through one time. If you happen to like certain people that are in it, then yeah, sure, tune in. And you might like it a little more than I did, but... It was worth one watch, but I'll never watch it again. What I am excited about every time it comes out, I have two of these shows now. Two! Two excited to come out because you can't binge them. They're weekly releases. And the first one is Shrinking with Jason Siegel on Apple TV+. And Harrison Ford is like his... Works in his office, but it's kind of his mentor. It's his practice. Um, it is such a good show. Such a good, fun show. Jason Siegel nails it. I, he is the gift that keeps on giving. Uh, he is just... I'll watch pretty much anything he's in. He's so, like with this last thing shrinking, because I was very skeptical about it. Like, I don't know. I want to watch something. It's so funny. It is so funny. Very dark comedy. I love it. It's right up my alley. Um, witty. Tugs at the heartstrings a little. It's got all the stuff. So anything I see with Jason Siegel moving forward, I'll probably give it a go. He's earned that out of me. Um, I highly recommend Shrinking if you have Apple TV+. Plus. Or do the trial. They got some cool stuff on there right now. Uh, I watched Emily the Criminal on Netflix. Again, it's a new movie. It's a one and done. I will not watch this thing again. It, it was frustrating, man. I'm going to be honest. Because I'm not a thief or a criminal by any means. But I know about crime. And I do know criminals. Or I used to or whatever. However, allegedly, you want to say this. But like, it's just common stuff. That you're like... It's like a horror movie when... Everybody's like, don't go in that room. Don't go in that room. Why would you go in that room? It's like that, but with low-level criminals. I was just like, why would you... Ugh. Why would you do that? Don't do that. Why would you do this? Don't do this. Why would you do this? It's just like nothing made sense, but they kept getting away with it. It's just like, oh my gosh. Come on. Getting out of these weird situations. And here's the thing. This isn't really spoilery. Starts out with credit card fraud. Then it goes to the guy and the brother Juice from Sons of Anarchy is giving this Emily the criminal who he's affectionate towards. Like he's given her the ropes, shown her the ropes and like, hey, I'm going to give you some equipment. If you can make this amount of money, then come back to me and we'll talk about more things. So Juice and his brother run this scam. Okay. And so it starts with credit card fraud and then... Something happens, and then the brothers like sees that they're dating, and it's like, oh, this girl. So you're lying to me, and then it's like, oh, okay. 
And she, meanwhile, she's been like stuck up at <laughs> like utility knife point for thousands of dollars because she knew something was going to go wrong and still went through with it and then did everything wrong and then it goes wrong. And then this guy holds her up with a utility knife. It's like, okay. So then it's like her and Juice are, are dating and they're going to go this next level thing and then the brother finds out and then Juice is like, okay, screw him. He said, I'm working with you now, so screw him. I'm going to rob him because he hasn't been paying me for all this time and blah, blah, blah. He's like, are you in? She's like, yeah, I'm in for sure. Then she goes to a job interview the next day. So they sleep on it. They have sex probably. They sleep on it. The next day she goes to a job interview at like 11 in the morning. Then she botches the interview because she's mad that she's not getting paid. Goes back. Now she's going to go get her life-changing money. Because the whole premise is that he's not going to expect it because you're always a bitch. Okay, well, he wouldn't have expected it the night before probably a little bit better. So then they go to like, all right, fuck this. And he's, you know, Juice is telling her, like, hey, if you're in, you're in for real. Because this is about to get hairy. Like, my brother doesn't mess around. Like, there are people, when it comes to this, like, it's going to be dangerous. They go drive to Santa Clarita or wherever this house is. They pull up to the house that they're going to try and get in and maneuver and rob with the headlights on, like blaring in the window in a cul-de-sac at the last house and casually pull up and like, don't turn off the lights. They're having a conversation before they're just in outside of this supposedly very high security house, just in the car, having a chat with the lights on. At the end of a cul-de-sac, not like, hey, we just stopped and we don't know where we are. Turn off the car. No, no, no. Like, in a cul-de-sac, this is us. We're trying to sneak up on you. High security house. Very dangerous people. Because <sighs> his brother cleaned him out. I forgot that part. His brother cleaned him out before he could because he's stupid. Um, so stupid that they go in like they... <laughs> they get this the door guy with the taser and a few kicks to the ribs. I guess that's enough. And then they like throw him in the back of the car. Nobody hears this. Then they sneak in the house and text somebody else from his phone like, hey, I have car trouble. Come pick me up around the corner. So two guys leave. Then they go up to this guy's room. Not one gun in this entire movie and they're moving hundreds of thousands of dollars. Not one person has a gun. So they go upstairs where this guy is has the shower running. They go to peek in the shower. Guess who's not there? The brother. Because all of a sudden, out of everybody in this house, the brother knows somebody's there. But he's in his robe. He doesn't have anything to defend himself. So he bashes his brother over the head with like a wine bottle or some shit. This lady's backed in the corner of the bathroom. And he approaches her. And they like tussle a little bit. He's choking her out on top of her standard position when something's about to go awry. 
she reaches down, grabs a utility knife, because <laughs> that's what she got jacked with, and stabs him, like, twice in the side. Now, I don't know if you know, and this dude, like, keels over, oh, my God, I'm going to die immediately. She, like, gets up, gets back, is, like, assessing the situation, and is like, hey, man, you got to tell me where this stuff is. I'm sorry. Utility knife can go in max, like an inch, into your side. Even if it punctured something. And this guy was not a skinny fellow. Probably only got fat. He was also wearing a rope. Like, there's just, mathematically, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This is like a big guy. He could have easily got up and punched this lady right in the face. So in this non-gun-having movie, she then, like, jumps on him, which apparently his arms don't work anymore. He can't, like, hold her back. His arms are just on the side. She gets on top of him and puts a utility knife to his neck. Counts to three, as everybody does. Then she waits, like, two full seconds after she counts to three, and she said, if I get to three, I'm slitting your throat. She goes, one, blah, blah, blah. I don't have it. Two, it's not here. I swear. Three. And then the guy talks. Like, you can't wait that long after three. You got to start slitting this mother's throat. So then he just gives it up right away. Has no ability to move whatsoever. He's like, it's in the refrigerator downstairs. Meanwhile, not one other person in the house. The two guys that left to go get the guy around the corner didn't realize he wasn't there and came back yet. None of this happens. She finds the money in a trash bag. She goes up to the room, grabs juice, asks the guy, she's like, can you talk? He's like, yes. She throws a cell phone on his chest and says, call an ambulance. If he could lift his arm that much, he should have choked you out, lady. He's probably going to die. So then they go down to the truck. She puts him in the passenger seat. She gets in the driver's seat. She hears sirens. She's like, where are your keys? And he's like, no, what did we do? He's kind of out of it. He's like, what do we do? Blah, blah, blah. He's like, she's like, give me your keys. Meanwhile, I saw this. It's a push start. Push your foot on the brake. Push the ignition. It'll go as long as the key's in the vicinity. She's just like, uh, where are the keys? She hears the sirens getting closer, and she's like, nah, man, I'm out. Grabs her trash bag of cash and bounces on this dude. Didn't try to start it. She's just like, whatever, I looked in one pocket. I'm out of here. At that point, I think there's eight minutes left in the movie, and I kind of fell asleep because I was like, this has been rough. And then, like, five minutes later. I, I did see that she, like, just walked, got on a bus that has closed caption footage. Like, she didn't just keep walking somewhere. She has a bag full of cash. Bag full of cash. Get in a cab. And go to the airport. Go drive to another city. Get some clothes. Get a backpack to throw your cashola in. And start traveling. Get out of here. No, she goes on a bus. She goes home. 
And that's when I fell asleep. I'm like, I can't take this anymore. And then, like, I woke up five minutes later, and she was, like, swimming into a beach. And I was like, yep. Ugh, what a waste. So that is a don't waste your time on Emily the Criminal review. It was awful. What's not awful, the exact opposite of that, is the new series on HBO Max, which is from a comic book or something, I guess. It's phenomenal. It's the best new show that I've seen in a long time. It's The Last of Us. It is so well done. They even did, like, they just have three episodes. I just watched episode three. And they even have a backstory of two people that they introduce and kill off in the same episode. And it completely makes sense. I was pleasantly shocked that it was not a waste of time what they did. Because as I'm watching it, I'm like, dude, what is the point of this? And even at the end where you're like, I still don't understand what the point of it is. They wrap it up in a nice little bow. And that's the thing I love about good television series, especially dramas. And this is like a thriller drama, you know, not zombie, but kind of zombie-esque type show. And I lost my train of thought. Stupid idiot. Oh, I, I like the type of shows that are like that, that have an overall story. But they wrap up each episode like its own tiny little bow. That's kind of what I try and do with like my comedy. It's like each joke should be able to stand on its own, but together paint this beautifully funny picture. And I love it when TV shows can accomplish that. Billions was usually pretty good about that. Um, Ray Donovan was usually pretty good about that. There weren't, there was more to the story, but not a ton of cliffhangers. Except for like at the end of season. Sometimes you're like, oh, I got to wait nine months for this. Um, But they usually tried to wrap up each episode, each season, and then keep the overall story. And that's, you know, if you could do do that on all three levels, then I'm usually into your show. Uh, The Last of Us is crushing on every level. Um, Very good show. Can't recommend it enough. So to wrap up this week... uh, we have two black quarterbacks facing off in the Super Bowl for the first time in NFL history. And that's pretty rad, considering how many greats there have been over the years. Uh, so in this week, the top five list is going to be top five black quarterbacks. And I'm going to start in a way that I didn't think I would ever be of this type of mind. Patrick Mahomes. Top five, black quarterback. He is 27 years old. He has been a starter for five years only. It feels like he's been in the league for 10 because of his presence. He could very well play for another 10 years at an extremely high level. He's already accomplished so much. This is pre-Super Bowl, which I think the... By the way, I think the Eagles are going to win. I hope they smash. Um, Go Eagles. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. Whatever. 
Uh, Patty Mahomes, man. I will tip my cap to a guy that's still playing and in the first third of his career, probably. Guy's a killer. Speaking of which, Michael Vick. I meant on the field. Okay? Jeez. Uh, Michael Vick. Because he changed the game. It was like when Steph Curry came and started shooting threes. They were like, wait, wait, wait. We didn't know you could do that like like that. My God. So Michael Vick changed the way that people viewed quarterbacks. He was when he was electric. He was electric. Even when he got a second chance, he took over the league again. People were like, he's not really. Oh my gosh, he's doing it again. Man is an anomaly with a cannon for an arm. Hokey Town. Randall Cunningham. Speaking of not anything else. Randall Cunningham. I mean, he was kind of like the OG running quarterback. You know, of that era, he was the best. And, oh, I know, because he was an eagle. That's why it was in my head. Um, Randall Cunningham. Classic. Steve McNair. Doesn't have all the uh, personal support. I know Mike kind of has his own views on that guy. But listen, the guy may have been kind of a dirtbag behind the scenes. But he was tough as nails. That guy played through so many injuries. And just through sheer will got his mediocre team to win. He didn't have the best athletes on the field. But damn if they weren't the best team. And that was led by the captain, Steve McNair. Mr. Unbreakable, even though everything was broken. <laughs> and Warren Moon. I mean, the guy could huck it a mile. The Houston Oilers. That was my fave. Those powdery blue Oilers uniforms. Man. That dude was insane. Warren Moon. I remember just like watching him throw and it's like... Is he going to hit the top of this dome when he throws the ball? Like, this is wild. He had the ultimate cannon. He could just throw it for a mile. Not literally, but good gracious, Warren Moon. And then honorable mentions. Uh, Cam Newton, surprisingly, I just couldn't leave him off the honorable mentions because there was a period of time there where he was unstoppable. He kind of did whatever he wanted to do on the field. Literally, gotten some fights with some teammates about it, uh, hogging the ball. But I mean, the guy just was unstoppable for a period of time. And my last honorable mention, we'll wrap up with Donovan McNabb. Donovan McNabb was so much fun to watch. He was the uh, come on, guys, we got this type of a rootin' tootin' guy. He never gave up on a play. He was just fun to watch, man. And he had the best soup commercials, which is saying something. On that note, I think I've said enough for this week. Thank you very much for hanging on this long. And if you get a chance, give us a follow. You can follow us at Black Irish Pod. Mike is at Black Irish 213 if we ever see him again. And I'm at Brendan McCorkle Comedy. You can follow that for podcast stuff, for comedy stuff. I'm going to try and start 
posting stuff more. I know I say that all the time, but I really am going to try. Yeah, I'm going to try. All right. Everybody be good to yourselves first and foremost, and be good to the people around you. You never know what they're going through. I love you guys so much. Thank you all for being here. We'll try and set up something spicy for next week, but if not, I'll be back. Peace.